My name is Kevin Tony, and you're now listening to the Uncommon Sense Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Sense Podcast. And we got another uncommon conversation happening tonight. And it's going to be a, a different kind of a topic. I try to to spread things around and, you know, give you guys a wide variety of information from a wide variety of guests that can bring a, a wide variety of information to the podcast. So tonight I'm glad to have returning my big bro, David Felton. What's up, man? What up, though, firm? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, man. Good, good. I wish we did a bell or some claps or something for being a first return yeah. guest. So I'm, I'm honored. I'm yes. honored to be here. Honored to be here. Yep, David. David is my first return guest. He he was on the podcast last year for the Father's Day series, and it was a great episode. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. He he kicked off the Father's Day series uh, for me last year. And it was really a good conversation, but we, we're going to talk about something different tonight because, you know, as, as somebody who I see as a big brother who, you know, is a role model. And it's, it's crazy because I, I was talking to Valerie um, last week and I was telling her, I said, you know what? I said, I don't have a lot of people in my life that I would, you know, give the label of role model to. I just don't throw it out, you know, loosely. And I told her, I said, David is one of my role models. And, um, you know, since day one, you know what I mean? We can we can probably do a whole podcast about the influence that you've had on me and, you know, helping me make some decisions. I mean, I feel like I am a big part of who I am today is because you encouraged me to go to Morris Brown, to leave a land that I was familiar with and go to some place that I was unfamiliar with and that quite literally changed the trajectory of my life. And so, um, yeah, so shout out to you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that. And <clears throat> tonight, you know, I feel like we, we're going to talk about a topic that I'm going to be honest. It really is. It's an annoying topic for me. And I want to talk about it because I need to get a better understanding of it. And I'm sure that because of the social climate today, there are other people out there who have a misconception of what this is about, what, what we're going to talk about tonight. And so I think the best way to start off is for me to tell you what my idea, <clears throat> we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion tonight. So this is a DEI episode. And I think the best way to kick it off is for me to tell you what my perception of DEI is. And then I want you to unpack it and, you know, get me on the right path to change my thinking and, and some of the other people. Um, you think it might be right, but go ahead. Well, let's we'll talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, yeah, this, this, this will be a good one. So, you know, for me, DEI is, is probably like a lot of things that have become popular and, you know, over the last five or six years, you know, they have so many things in society that I feel like they just got here. You know what I mean? But 
you know, they get overblown, they get misconstrued. And I don't trust the way it's portrayed in the media. I definitely don't trust the way it's portrayed on my job for my employer. And so when I hear somebody use the term diversity, equity, and inclusion, it literally is an eye roll for me. And I'm just, I'm over it. And so when I think about that term, I think that it is a tool that people can use to quote unquote uplift who they view as marginalized groups. And that might be correct on a basic level, but I feel like it gets targeted at, at to show, you know, a victimhood. We need to help these people because they can't help themselves. And if we don't speak up for them, nobody else will. And so I feel like it's a way to prop up black people, Hispanic people, gay people, you know, in certain arenas and in a way that I feel like is, is slanted. That's not necessarily, you know, I don't think it's an even playing field. And so when I hear it, I think, you know, well, we need to be more diverse. We need to have equity, you know, in, in a workplace and we need to be more inclusive. I usually think that that means we need to invite black people into more spaces where there are white people or gays on the job need to have a voice or trans people need to have a safe space where, you know, they can, you know, feel included in everything we do. And it's like, I feel like a lot of that stuff is, is shoehorned on us and we don't have any say so. And so I feel like it's not something that's natural. I feel like it's something that is forced on us. They just try to present it in a way that, you know, we're not telling you that you have to get along with this, but you have to get along with this or else, you know, you're castigated and vilified in society. So when you hear somebody like me that has looked at DEI in that manner, like what, what type of reaction do you get? All right. First of all, I want to say thank you for um, inviting me to the show again. And also that um, I kind of the privilege and honor don't take it lightly for you to look at me as a, um, as a, as a role model or a mentor or whatever the case may be. I love you very much. Appreciate yes, the sir. man that you are becoming. I think we are still becoming and the father that you are and the husband that you are, God friend that you are and the fact that you stick to your guns, uh, regardless of what speaks volumes to um, your community, how you were raised and your belief system. And it's, uh, it's unfortunately becoming a lost art. Mm-hmm. So kudos to you for being who you are. <clears throat> Thank you. Now, as it relates to uh, the discussion on the topic at hand, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's ironic because I just did um, three days last week with UAW Ford about this. And I want um, to, first of all, say that you're not the only African-American who feels this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just use an example. I had, uh, let's just call him Mr. Jones in the class last week, African-American male, um, uh, 50 something years old from Detroit, mm-hmm. working for four, got 25, 26 years on the job. And his, his uh, question to me, or his statement to me, and he was trying to be as careful as he could because he didn't want to offend anybody. And I said, just say what you want to say. I said, it's a safe space. He said, when I heard that I was coming to this diversity class, he wasn't voluntold or he didn't volunteer. He was voluntold <laughs> that the first thing that came to his mind was, um, um, uh, either it was about race or it was about uh, the LBGT community, or we just call it a gay community, however. And mm-hmm. he and he is um, again, he's in his, his mid fifties, but he's been with Ford for uh, for for twenty almost thirty years, 
and there's just some traditional thinking there. And so there were assumptions there. Now, mm-hmm. what I told him, I said, Mr. Jones, I said, I said, you're not wrong, but that's not everything that it's about. And I'm going to try to answer these, um, your questions succinctly. And if you, if, if I'm not going the way you want to just go ahead and interrupt me. So I said, it's not just that it is that, but it's not limited to that. Then I said, some people, uh, try to, uh, hijack a good thing and make it their own and turn it into something Mm -hmm. bad. And so the perception changes. Dr. Werner Myers, she, uh, says, um, diversity is being asked to the dance, asked to a dance or asked to a party mm-hmm. and inclusion is being asked to dance. Okay. And so I use that. And so what happens is when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion is not just about race or it's not just about gender. It's about, um, the fact that we have for the first time in American history, over five generations that are in the workforce. Mm-hmm. So you have a different, uh, voice you have different ways of doing things i often give the example of um you have a man who's been working say for a company for industrial company for you know 25 30 years when he comes to work he has his uh his coffee in a thermos and he has a newspaper under his arm he's coming to work but then mm-hmm. you have somebody who's only been on the job for you know three or four years they're coming to work with starbucks in their hand and they got mm-hmm. an iphone in their hand they're doing the exact same thing they're just doing it differently right look at each other and, and, and he'll say, why is that old man got that paper? And then the mm-hmm. old man says, why is that dummy walking around looking at his phone? <laughs> Again, they're doing the exact same thing. They're just doing it a different way. And so not only is it about race, not only is it about gender, but it's about generations. It's about uh, culture. It's about all those things. We talk about culture and climate in a particular environment. The culture is what people hear about from the outside. If I'm working for Kevin Tony's uh, 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 imports or whatever the case may be, I have a perception of what that culture is, but mm-hmm. the climate is actually what's going on inside. So what happens is we need to have, um, uh, I, I asked, I asked the, the guy too, I said, well, he asked, well, why does it have to be called diversity? And he wants to ask that question because he's so, he's so aggravated at the fact that diversity is attached to so many of these other agendas right. and initiatives that, you know, he doesn't necessarily want to be a part of that. Just like black lives matter. Like right. what people, black lives do in fact matter, all lives matter, but I, you know, black lives matter for me personally, you know, it, it makes my jaws tight. You understand? Because right. of somebody uh, uh, hijacking it. So again, um, when we talk about the, the necessity for, the, oh, I asked him, I said, so would you rather the, the, uh, the, the, the uh, department be called race relations? <laughs> he said, no. <laughs> and so I offered him some different things. So right now, until we find another way to describe what it is that we're trying to do, uh, we have to continue to educate people and let them know because there is a misnomer, there's misconceptions that diversity is just about those things. And we have to make sure we have people to to make sure that we don't allow folks to hijack those things, okay? Because right. um, and we have to be responsible. And I just, I'm appreciative that I have the the research, the intelligence, the education, and the constant training uh, about diversity, equity, and inclusion to be able to do it. And what I'm saying, though, too, Kevin, which is interesting, is diversity is not just about those things, but it's about your belief system. It's about Mm -hmm. all of that. So the freedom for me to continue to believe the way I want to believe, but understanding when I come into a controlled environment and that environment consists of, has policies and regulations and rules, I know we have to follow those. I don't compromise my own personal constitution. However, while I'm working for Kevin Tony Logistics, these are things I have to do in order for us to get the job done. 
I'm not there, you know, talking about the Lord. I'm not there pushing off my own personal proclivities or anything. And that's what we're talking about, about diversity. Right. Now, um, I also want to say, too, even in, in the in the beginning stages of, of most um, industrial environments here in the United States, they were predominantly white. Mm-hmm. They were not only just predominantly white, they were predominantly white men. Right. Okay. And then they started allowing black men and other folks to come in to work. And then they started allowing allowing women to come in. I mean, if we were when they had the w- World War, they had a Rosie the Riveter. She came mm-hmm. in. She they had to start working. And so the fabric of America changed, which requires organizations to change. If right. you want your organization to be successful, you have to have a representation of those people that are actually making your country your company successful. So I, Henry Ford can no longer just make cars for white men. Mm-hmm. He can no longer just make cars for black men. He had to start making cars for people that reflect the fabric of America. So as things change, and I hate to use the word, no pun intended, as things become more diverse, mm-hmm. then we had to adapt to that. So diversity, equity, and inclusion is so much more than just uh, uh, just about race and just about uh, gender. And I tell the people that I that I teach or that I train, I say, listen, you guys are in ambassadors. You have to get this information. You got to research and search this stuff out so you can dispel the myths. And then take back what the purpose of it is for. So, you know, instead of us having these ceremony position, ceremonial positions of people being diversity coordinators. Of uh what's the word I'm looking for? Of a of a handout. It's not that. It's not even it's not about that. It's about acknowledging the fact that you're different. There's no, there's no four-hour course I can teach. There's no hour course I can teach or a 40-hour course that I can teach. That's going to change how they engage or what their their views are on politics or their views are on gender or whatever. But my thing is I would like you to actually think about and to consider some of the ways that you thought or that you perceive things if you never had those conversations you want. I mean, um, you know, I'll, I'll digress. I got some more stuff I want to say, but I'll ask you to see if, if we're going down the right right street, right road now. We are. And I want to go back to something that you pointed out. And I want to get there by, you know, just kind of bringing up the fact that last year I called you because I was, I was asked on my job to participate in a DEI project. And I didn't want to do it because of how I felt about, you know, DEI and what my perception of it was. And I called you and we had a conversation and you told me to get involved because it, it was, you know, if I didn't want to do it, I didn't have to. It was, I wasn't being made to, I was asked and they were waiting for me to give a response on whether I was going to participate or not. And in that time period, I called you and we talked and you told me that maybe it's good for me to get involved just to learn and see what it's about. And you went on to share some some stuff with me from your perception of what you've learned. And when I agreed to, you know, so after we talked, you know, I called um, the lady in leadership on my job who asked me to participate. Um, I told her that I would do it. And immediately she told me who she was pairing me up with. And it was two young ladies on in the company, actually three young ladies one of them ended up not participating. But when I saw like, you know, in our company, man, in Microsoft Outlook and Teams or whatever, you can see pictures of the people that you work with. And I saw 
the people, the two, the two ladies that I was working with. And, you know, I made, I made a judgment on them out of just on the surface and it may not have been correct, but one of the ladies, she did look like she was from the queer community. And that judgment actually ended up being right because when we got into our meetings, she was there because she wanted to make sure that the queer community in our company was represented properly. And I'm not even going to lie, man, that fed into what I already had a perception of DEI for. And, you know, it did cause me to kind of shrink back a little bit and just kind of sit back and listen. Um, and as the conversations went on, you know, I saw it was a part of it, but there were other things that they were trying to, they wanted included, you know, I guess on the, the inclusive part of it. And, you know, f you know, just to come full circle, the, the project, the DEI project ended up getting scrapped by the company. So we didn't, we didn't move forward in the three or four, like initial, you know, grassroots meetings that we had, but you said something about diversity, you know, and equity and inclusion. It gets overshadowed by these these certain groups that kind of are are you know lifted up as the people who are the the front runners of, you know, we're the first in line. If there's a pecking order for who gets what, and you mentioned something when you were talking about, you know, well, I, you know, diversity and equity and inclusion that also means my belief system as well, which is something that should be accepted. And when I hear that, you know, when you're in your classes, when that topic comes up, like how do you, or how do you address that part of it where you have somebody that's from, you know, the gay community and you have somebody that, you know, is Christian or they're Muslim or whatever. And you know that, their belief system is diametrically opposed to the lifestyle choices of the person in the LGBT community, but we need to be accepting of each other. And, you know, outside the workplace, that doesn't necessarily happen. So how do you, like, how does that work? Right. And so usually, again, I talked about it being a controlled environment. And so I, I, I often say this, we have to have working relationships. And even um, if I don't agree with you or anything, I mean, you know me, you know what I stand for. So even in terms of doing and doing uh, doing this work, you know, there was a time where I felt like I was compromising my own personal constitution. Right. But I say, look, we have to have working relationships. You know, if I come in, you know, you're a Lions fan, I'm a Bears fan or a Packers fan. I can't stand a Lions. I'm just minimizing, just using that as an example. Right, right. fact of the matter is we got to, you know, we know we don't like it. We can agree to disagree. Uh, but we have to move on. And the fact of the matter is we're going to work at our job, Doug, but as far as us going out having tea and crackers or beers or whatever the case may be, you know, that's not, that's not going to ever happen. Right. So again, it's about, um, it's about, it's about not necessarily um, accept, accepting that person's uh, lifestyle or accepting that person's um, position on things, what you accept or what you have to deal with is the fact that they, they're making a choice. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, and that, and and then, you know, because again, a lot, a, most of my belief system, if not all of my belief system is based on Christian values mm -hmm. and free will is a major part of that. And so, you know, if a person, you know, if they choose to do whatever they want to do, that's your choice. And so I, I support your choice. I don't support 
what it is that you choose to do. Does that make right. sense? Yes. So again, allowing that person to have the liberty to do whatever they want to do, the autonomy, do what they want to do, that's fine, as long as it doesn't infringe on what it is that, that I'm doing. So again, it's not it's not a slippery slope. It's not careful. There is definitely a line of debargation there mm-hmm. where we have to, you know, be whoever it is that we're going to be and exercise whatever we're going to be, but allow those people to make the choice that they that they make. And again, these are these are uh, uh, even though, you know, that is one of the major things. But I mean, when there's some environments, Kevin, where the issue is not even about homosexuality when it when it comes to diversity, it's about uh, making sure that a person that has um, dis- disabilities. Right. I mean. That that yep. that that might be a large mm-hmm. population or a large demographic, and so why am I going to just give all the attention to one particular group or demographic when this person is being uh, made feel like they're being disenfranchised or whatever the case may be too? So again, that's why I try to to to, to convey to those that I'm that I come in contact with or have a a, a chance to influence is, is that diversity is just not about race, it's right. just not about gender, it's not about your sexual orientation. It's not about, it's just not limited to those things. And so we have to expand our thinking and dispel the myths and then also not allow people to hijack these things and make them uh, because they have a, 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 they have an agenda or or whatever's hot or whatever's popping. They want to mm-hmm. latch on to something that's actually can be a good thing and it turns out to be bad. So we have to control the narrative. That's why I continue to, to talk about this work and do this work. And if it ever became anything if it was just a form or exercise of futility, I would stop. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because what I found out, what I, what I was able to glean from those few meetings that I was in when I was asked to participate in that project is there was conversation about employees um, who were, you know, had disabilities and it wasn't just physical disabilities, but it was mental disabilities as well. And what, what those choices, you know, that the our company was looking to make, like how they would be impacted, you know, would they feel inclusive and how, you know, diverse is it going to be in terms of, you know, the landscape of, you know, the office, you know, once once these changes are made. And so I felt like that was the first time I had ever heard anybody talk about groups you know, in that way, in the conversation with DEI in terms of people that have both physical and mental disabilities. And to me, I feel like those are the groups that if there's a pecking order, they should be closer to the front of the line because there's so many people that have so many more disabilities, both the ones we can see, especially the ones that we can't, you know what I mean? In terms of the mental stuff. So that's what I kind of, when you when you said disabilities that it triggered that you know in, in in my mind relative to this discussion and so you've already uncovered two parts of diversity equity and inclusion that we don't really hear about and that's people's personal belief systems their moral values and disabilities and so go ahead i want no, you to no, speak on that no no, you... no no well 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 again i think too when we talk about it is just the there has to be, um, we talk about equity too as well. When you have, I talked about how the fabric of America has changed and the fabric of organizations have changed. And so everybody should be, you know, properly uh, represented. And what I mean by properly represented, you should at least feel like you have a chance or or equal opportunity to be as successful as a person, the other person that you're that you're there with. If your education matches and, and those, all that stuff 
is together, you got the time in, you should feel like you have a chance. So for example, we talked about the Hispanic community. Mm -hmm. You know, there should be, you shouldn't be at a deficit because you're Hispanic. Right. <laughs> you shouldn't be, at, and I'm using them instead of using us or, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? You shouldn't be at a deficit. You should be able to feel comfortable, to be able to talk, to be able to share, to be able to benefit from the organization, especially, especially if you're contributing. I shouldn't feel like I'm less than because of my my cultural my cultural experience or anything like that. But what happens is, from our personal experiences, we have uh, we have uh, uh, cultural biases that we're not even aware of until we begin to engage with somebody who's different or clashes with our culture or with our experience. And so what it does, it takes a person, uh, uh, takes a skill for a person to say, well, let me look through a different lens. Let me look through a different paradigm to see, you know, how or why I'm feeling the way that I feel. There's a there's a story. I'm sure you heard this story. Um, uh, there's a story that goes, uh, there was a, a mother that was cooking a ham. And so she cut the butt off the ham and put it in, in the pan and then put the pan in the, um, in the oven. And so the husband asked, why are you cutting the butt off the ham? He said, she said, because my mother did it. And so he said, well, why does she do it? He said, I don't know. So he asked his, his mother-in-law, why do you, why does, you know, Becky cut the butt off the ham? And she said, because my mother did it. Mm -hmm. So she asked the grandmother and the grandmother said, well, we cut the butt off the ham because the, the pot was too, too small for mm -hmm. the ham. So they, my point is a lot of times we carry on certain mm -hmm. uh, traditions that don't, we don't even know why we do it. We don't know why right. we think a certain way. We don't know, and we we can talk about that all day. I mean, we, right. we don't know why people people vote. Why do you vote that way? Because my right. my mama did, my daddy. So again, until we get the right information, until we are uh, honest with ourselves, do some self reflection, do some self inventory, and that, and be honest with ourselves why we think a certain way or why we do certain things, we won't we won't be able to have a a, a diverse, equitable or inclusive environment. Right. In a workplace, in society, or everything, if people are just gonna, you know, think the way that they're gonna think, and that's it, you know, and and that, and that's why a lot of people don't understand me. I have people who have different political backgrounds than me. I, I fellowship with people who don't believe the same way mm -hmm. I believe. I, I engage with people who who may not, you know, we don't hang out so much, but I don't have a problem talking to people because I love right. people. And people say, "Well, how can you do that? How you do that?" You know, I'm like, "Man, you do you, and let me do me." And my thing is, I believe that, you know. All people are God's people, wherever they may be on their on their journey, mm -hmm. it's something different. And so I engage with them on, on that level. And I try to be like Jesus was, you know, and I'm not trying to turn it into a, a, a Christian thing, but that's just who I am. Right. That's the substratum yeah. or the foundation of, of how I get down, how I engage, whatever it is that I'm doing, whether it be in the public sector, whether it be in the private sector, whether it be in church or out of church, that's the motivation of, of who I am. So it's easy when when you live your life based on a biblical worldview. It's, it's easy to, you know, for the conversation to shift into those to those areas because, like you said, that's the foundation. That's where you draw, you know, all your life choices, your decision-making. It's, it's all based off of that foundation. But as an instructor, so, so I'm saying that to say it's fine that, you know, that you, if you go down, if you go that route, it's, that's totally fine. But let me... Let me go back. Let me kind of bring in while you were talking, like I remembered something that this was like three years ago, maybe four years ago. There were these videos that were floating around social media and they were, you know, these companies because I want to I want to this is this is how I want to move into what you what you mentioned about ceremonial positions. OK, 
there were, you know, when DEI in the workplace became this big thing within the last four years, maybe five, where, you know, people had been doing it for years, but now it became this, you know, it had this national stage of where everybody's talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. You started seeing these companies that were hiring consultants to come in. Every major company was bringing somebody in to do a diversity, you know, equity, inclusion class. And all of these videos started popping up of uh, footage from some of these classes where, you know, it was some black lady who was teaching the class, but she was making all the white people in, in the class say that they were, you know, get up and admit that they're racist, admit that they're white supremacists, you know, admit that they can't change. And, you know, she was just very, she was being, <laughs> she was being basic, man. And it just, it wasn't just the one video. It was like a couple of videos, like three or four videos that was floating around these different classes where these white people were getting up and they were like, yeah, I am. I, I feel guilty. You know, the way, I, you know, just because I'm white, you know, I feel this way and so on and so forth. And these ladies were being like very demeaning in their class. And so to me, I felt like these these ladies who were doing these classes and these are the ones, the videos that were going viral on social media. I felt like if this is what DEI is about, then I don't want any parts of it because, you know, it's coming from a skewed place. You could tell that the, you know, the, the, the ladies that were doing the instructing in the class, they were coming from a place emotionally uh, and mentally while they were, were teaching the class. And so two questions, how do you respond to you know, that type of thing. And then secondly, you know, I know every instructor is different, but, you know, have you seen or heard anything like that? You know, anything along those lines, you know, in in the, the DEI consulting circles that you run in? And then I'll get to the ceremonial position part of it. Yeah, well, you know, I, I heard about those things and um, I wasn't trained that way. Mm -hmm. And um, my research uh, doesn't lend itself to it. Um, and I'm glad you said your research. Yeah, my I'm saying because it's 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 evolving, uh, Kevin. I don't I don't have it. There's always there are always new uh, studies that come out. There are case studies that might be relative. There might be particular issues or some things that change. And and um and then you know you always want uh, your presentation or your training to be evidence based, and you mm -hmm. want current and and uh, and uh, accurate and data as much as possibly can. So. You know, all I can tell you is with with the the, the training that I've done, um, you know, I have uh, folks that have PhDs from Michigan State that work mm -hmm. with me because I don't have a PhD or anything like that to come and actually be subject matter experts, you know, right. to further validate what is it that I'm doing. And th those are the things that we talk about. <laughs> right. So I, I, and these are the, the one uh, doctor. She's uh, she's at Michigan State PhD. She's African-American, too. So. I don't I don't know if uh, I don't know what bag, so to speak, that they were coming out of or what they you know, what they were trying to do. I'm not into that whole white guilt thing. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something that a person has to work out themselves, nor would I have a person um, uh, 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 confess, so to speak, mm -hmm. or, or repent for who they are. I mean, that's to me, that's uh, that's a conclusion that you need to come to on your own based on your own soul searching if in fact right. that's the case and i don't i don't and lastly i'm not into guilt making people feel guilty 
right uh, for any for anything I, I just like i shouldn't feel guilty for you know any of the, the things that i have or whatever the case is or you know i that's not me again my my job you know as it relates to training in this space and i preface uh the training with these type of with this statement is there's no amount of training I don't think that can give you to change a lifetime of experiences, mm-hmm. a lifetime of conditioning, a lifetime of, uh, of exposure. Uh, if I'm telling you that you should change this or change that, I'm telling you to, you know, to basically disrespect what your mother, your grandmother, whoever that was taught you. And that's a hard thing to do. And so right. if I come out the gate trying to tell you that, are you going to be receptive to anything else that I have to say? So right. as I mentioned early in the conversation, my goal is to present scenarios, present information for you to consider right for you to ponder and present it in a way that is palatable where you don't shut down and you do in fact think so it can change uh or excuse me or cause you again to consider uh you know what i was what i was saying then maybe challenge you know mm-hmm. what you think and, yeah. and i think to do that intelligently um and again a way that's palatable is the best way to uh to do that and that's that's the approach that i take gotcha Hope I answered your question. no yeah you did and so when it comes to when I hear people say that or when I hear employers, because I've heard I have, you know, my wife, she worked in, you know, Valerie worked in HR for 15 yeah, yes, years, sir. you know, yes, sir. Um, a lot. I have a lot of friends that work in HR recruiting and, hmm. you know, I I have heard firsthand, you know, I've heard them say that they're asked to do diversity hires. And, you know, they they have certain positions that, you know, they say, you know, they're told, hey, I have this job open that I need to fill, but I want a black employee. I want a Hispanic employee, you know. So to me, when I hear stuff like that, it feels like, you know, it doesn't matter who else is qualified that can come in and, and solve the problem that we have on the job and meet the need. You know, we 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 just want we want to have a certain aesthetic, you know, and a cosmetic look on an outward appearance to show that we're diverse. And you know, sometimes I feel like it's a setup because I've I've seen you know I've had friends tell me that they've had to hire Hispanic or you know black employees that weren't necessarily qualified, and then four or five months down the road they lose their job. And because they weren't fit, they weren't fit for the role in the beginning. And but because they wanted to do a diversity hire, you know what I mean? It it really just kind of like, you know, these are short term. They're filling short term needs. I mean, uh, long term needs with short term solutions. And so when I hear stuff like that, because I mean, Valerie even told me that, you know, there was a position on her job for the company that she she worked for. And they specifically told her. You know, we want somebody black to fill this position. Mind you, when the CEO took over, he let go like four black people, you know, when he became the CEO. But then it became this push now. Oh, we need more black people, you know, uh, on, on staff here and so on and so forth. And so when you hear like what like what registers in your mind when you hear that term diversity hire? Okay, well, <laughs> I'm going to say this. Um, 
I don't know for a fact that diversity hire is cold word for affirmative action. I don't mm-hmm. know. Okay. It sounds like that scenario, that's what it that's what it that's what that situation was. Now I'm listening to what you're saying. You said the CEO came in, he let go of four or five black folks, then came back and said, I need some black folks to work. So I don't know about I don't know how how I don't know all the, the specifics about that. Um and then also when it comes to hiring somebody black that's less qualified and um because they're black, I don't know about I don't know about all of that either. I, I don't I can't comment because I believe you really gotta you have to dig deep mm-hmm. into it and it, it's a little bit deeper because for me, you know, I've worked in many places, I've worked, you know, for IBM, I've worked, I've had contracts with white with, you know, if you want to call them white companies and worked in 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 in, in the private sector, public sector. And I'm aware that some of those things take place. I just haven't had that experience right. myself. Right. right. And so I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't really speak intelligently on it. I mean, I have a feeling, I have a way that I feel. Right. Of course. But but again, I think it would be irresponsible for me to make a comment about that without having, you know, in, I, I understand about it. Again, yeah. I have a feeling, but I, I definitely want to make sure that the, the best person has, has the job, you know, now if I was to be emotional, you know, I could say that I have seen, a lot of people of other cultures get jobs that don't necessarily. It, it uh, goes both ways for sure. Yeah, yeah, have it, have it. You know, but my 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 what I try to do is if I have any influence on 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 referring a person, I want to make sure that whoever I'm referring, if that they're, mm-hmm. they're in my network, that they not only meet the qualifications but they ex- exceed the qualifications and understand what's at stake. And, they can and, be black, they can be white, they can be gay, they can be whoever. But if I'm putting my name on you. My expectation is that you carry a level of excellence and a, le- a level of professionalism to feel fulfill the job of the recommendation. So, you know, yeah, I don't th- I don't know. Just going back to the initial statement, you know, in that case, it sounded like that diversity hire was old school affirmative action trying to be. So that's right. What no, but and and just to, to go back on what you said on the other side of that, I know for a fact that there were positions that were open that she was told this person's going to apply for the job. They need to, this is who we want. Oh and, yeah. And she would see the resume and be like, they don't know anything about this job. They don't, oh, yeah. this is not Clearly. like, but they get the job anyway. And Clearly. you know, like I said, same scenario, six to eight months later, they either lose a job because of performance or they get transferred into, you know, a lesser role that they, they are more qualified oh. for that their resume qualifies for. It happens on both sides. And I'm going to tell, tell you this right now. I I know personally of an experience. I won't say where I just say, I know personally of an experience of a person who got a job who was not qualified and they've been on the job for a year. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how they got the job. And once I connected the dots, I was like, Whoa, but again, you know, it doesn't it does it it does it doesn't affect me directly. Right. But it, I look at it and I'm like, whoa, and 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 you know, you know, I just you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. So so tell me when you say ceremonial positions, tell me what you mean by that. 
Oh, well, a lot of recent times, I'll, I'll just talk, you know, maybe last 10 years, last decade, a lot of companies have been um, hiring. Uh, diversity is ours. Uh, you have uh, both private companies, you have municipalities that have diversity, community, you know, uh, directors and things of that nature. And the reason that they're doing it is just to provide a front. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a Sarah. They don't necessarily have a staff. They may have an office, and I'm not saying that's all. That's not the the case with everybody, but mm-hmm. a, a, lot, a lot of cases, you know, they're just there to kind of do what you were talking about earlier. It's just to have a front and to say that they are diverse. They'll hire, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a, a black African American female or somebody Hispanic. It won't be anybody white. And I'm gonna tell you, I, I'll get to that point in a minute. And um, but it would be somebody there just to be a ceremony position. There's no power. There's nothing that they're really doing. If, if, if in fact, they come with some ideas about the person, like, go, just go back to your office or, or we'll get to mm-hmm. it or, you know, things like that. So that's what I meant by ceremonial. Now, uh, last week when I had my class, I had a, a, a gentleman from, was he from California? I, th- I want to say he was from California. So California, and uh, he, he's, the, he's the president of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's white. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he said, yeah, they said, uh, you can't be the president of the Diversity Inclusion Committee because you're white, you know. <laughs> and so now this is he he told the story from the class last week and uh, he was talking about how much he learned and, you know, that, uh, you know, his eyes opened to some certain things that he was looking into doing some, you know, taking some more classes or the, whatever the case may be. And so I think that his situation, it may have been a ceremonial appointment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, you know, he has, you know, he reached out actually since last week and he, you know, he's he's committed to it. He's committed to sharing the information and actually, you know, learning himself. And, that, and as I told you, I asked him to be ambassador. So, you know, you do have some places where <laughs> folks are ceremonial. Um, there was a time before uh, President Trump stopped the funding for diversity and inclusion programs um, that people had to have them so they can get money you know, yeah. and, um, and, and whatnot. So, you know, they would have, them. you know, I'm talking about colleges, all of that stuff, but it's, I don't know if you know, it's diversity, equity, inclusion is, it's a big, it's a big business. You got major universities, um, to have curriculum, curriculum for it. And, um, so again, and I know that people are taking advantage of it because oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, people dude. are taking like every other thing. Cause there was a news story I was reading. I wish I, I wish I should have, I, I wish I would have saved that story, but it was some lady who had, um, a big, she was a diversity equity. She was a DEI chief for some big company, and she had to step down because it came out that she was passing as Arab. And mm. you know, she was married to she was married to um, I think she was married to a white guy, but she was passing as Arab. And her mom, it was her mother that outed her and was like, "She's not Arab. She just is." as white as she can be. You know what I mean? And so when that information came, came out and, you know, she had it on her, you know, her resume, all her, all her credentials showed that she was, you know, she was saying she was Arab or something like that. And she had to admit that she wasn't, and she had to step down from that position. She had to resign. And I felt like, you know, how many people are out here passing just because, you know, these are the grifters that are coming along, you know, they see, um, they see a bag that they can get just by saying a certain thing and, you know, aligning with a certain ideology. And I, I mean, that happens in every, in every culture, every industry, it happens, 
you know, but when you say ceremonial positions, you know, again, it goes back to my thing is like, it's a setup. And we, we talked about this before and you mentioned something that, you know, a lot of these people that get offered these DEI positions, when something happens and there's some legal trouble, like, and somebody gets in, like, there's, there's an issue where the company is in, you know, in the press negatively for something to do with DEI, you know, that person is the face of it. And it's almost like the company can say, well, we had somebody in charge for DEI. So, you you know, it's almost like you can't say we didn't, we didn't make an effort, you know, to, to, you know, be inclusive or bring diversity and equity into the workplace. You know, it just, this person that we chose was flawed, you know, for whatever reason. And it's almost like a scapegoat scenario. This was a Muslim activist, Raquel Saraswati, allegedly lied about being yes, South that was Asian, her. Arab, and Latin. Her mother says she's white as driven snow. <laughs> that's exactly what. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, and, and, and that's why I really, uh, Kevin, I really appreciate you allow, you know, allowing this space on your show to have this conversation. Because, um, you know, a lot of times there are uh, mechanisms in place or initiatives in place for the betterment of of society, for the betterment of organizations. And what happens is uh, people who have their own agenda um, will, again, we use the word hijack or grab, mm-hmm. you know, something that's good and, and, and turn it into something that's evil and they manipulate. And it's unfortunate that um, that they do that. But again, you know, when I have uh, the mic or if I have a space and I'm talking about DEI, I push back on all of that. And I say, listen, don't allow this opportunity that could benefit so many to be misconstrued with myths about what this uh, what this initiative is. You all make sure that it's properly um, that it's properly disseminated and you do it responsibly. You know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm saying that no one should be. Um, should be cast aside or anything like that. But at the same time, we're not going to let, uh, we're not going to let black folks say it's all about them. I'm not going to let homosexuals say it's all about them. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let any sect of people say that it's all about them because that defeats the whole purpose of the diversity thing, you know, right. the diversity part of it. I mean, or the inclusive part of it. So again, we have a responsibility to make sure we get out there and that we're careful. And then too, if it call it out, man, if it ain't right, you got to call it out. Right. You have to call it out. And say no, that's not right. And I mean, whatever doc. I mean, if it's within a company, you know, make sure that that is properly documented. If it's established to be a diversity community commit committee, and it's being hijacked. But again, I'm going back to what you said before, too, was that um, you were asked to be on that committee. And if you if you if you don't remember, I don't know if you could recall. I said they need you on there. They mm-hmm. need a, a view of somebody who is not just gonna just go with the flow you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. you need to they need to know how you feel and you know you need to di- bring a different perspective ask your questions and all that and that reminded me again of the gentleman that i talked about who was in the class last week mm-hmm. who, who i mean i mean kevin you, he just wanted to talk he wanted to ask a question but he didn't want to be offensive he didn't want to do that i had like uh, 39 people in the class and so he was like man i just don't want to say it. i was like dude you can say whatever you want to say everybody here trying to learn you know mm-hmm. yeah and he said it. And I said, nobody should be offended. I said, if you, all I'm saying is this, Kevin, these, these experiences that I'm having are so profound. And it's a, really about not judging the book by its cover. We talk about diversity, about prejudices, about 
all of that. When I, I tell people, turn, turn, cut me off when I'm when if I'm talking to you. Go them. ahead, keep going. I tell people, I say I'm prejudiced, and they say what? I say I'm prejudiced against anybody that tries to date my daughters. I prejudge <laughs> a young man. I already put him in a bag and said that he's this, he's that, and I make certain assumptions based on my experience and what I think other people are doing. Is that right or wrong? They said it's wrong. I said, but that's just what I do. Right. And then, um, uh, and then I, I was blessed to have a gentleman in the class, a white guy, got up and uh, he came and told me this story. He said that his niece is check this out black okay mm-hmm. his niece is black and she's disabled now okay this happened last week he said that his his niece was 14 years old his wife's sister his sister-in-law was married to a black guy from chicago mm-hmm. she passed away the father although they were married said he couldn't take care of the daughter because she was special needs mm-hmm. they adopted her okay they had her for 20 years She's 35, 36, almost 40 now. Mm-hmm. And they had to give her to another uh, 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 sister or something in Ann Arbor because his wife got MS. Right. Okay. This dude is white. Mm-hmm. He's German. His wife is Polish. They had a black girl. He was mm-hmm. dead. So I said, I said, Frank, please promise me you will share this with the class. I said, do you mind? He said, no. Man, he blew the class away with that testimony. Mm-hmm. He started talking about how they, how they had to take her and get her hair done. Mm-hmm. How, how they would take her from time to time to go to Chicago to visit him and the family. He said and, uh, her grandmother's name was Big Mama. He said, I've known her for 20 years. I don't know what her real name is because we don't call her nothing but Big Mama. He mm-hmm. talked about eating the black eyed peas. He talked about eating the, the green, the collard greens. He said, and, uh, what's the guy used to sing the Arby song, Mr. White? Everybody was like, Barry White? He said, yeah, I learned about Barry White and Earth, mm-hmm. Wind, and Fire. This happened. Right. This just happened last week. And so wow. when I'm telling you, when I tell you, I had a, a myriad of, of people from different experiences, different cultures, different uh, races, and all that in that class, how they embrace one another, man. It was the personification of what I believe diversity, inclusion, and equity should be. Yeah. And what it should look like. And the last the last example I'm, I'm going to give you is, um, you know this person. And I'm going to have her come to one of my classes one day. I just haven't gotten the schedule together. Okay. Um, Chinese. Mm-hmm. Don't know nothing about Chinese, nothing. And mm-hmm. uh, if you walked up to her and started talking Chinese, she would look at you like you was crazy. <laughs> all she cooks is black eyed peas, rice, soul food, and all that stuff, and that's fawn bass. Mm, yeah, yes, yep. And so, what happened was, I, I I had talked to her. She was going to come to one of my classes. She was going to sit there, mm-hmm. just sit there, and I want everybody just looking at her, waiting for her to start talking <laughs> <laughs> and engaging, and just blow the just blow all of the preconceived notions out of everybody. And so, what I'm saying is, we just don't know, man about um and, and diversity is such a beautiful thing but if you allow uh uh people to to manipulate it and use it for something else it, it will it will leave a nasty taste and taste in your mouth because that would be the, the the reference that you have so yeah i could talk about it so much more man i, I hope that you know you're getting uh i'm trying to have a robust conversation but i, I i'm not necessarily emotional but i am passionate about it i've been doing yeah. it for a while I study it. I've had all kind of people, people that are against it, people who come to class and still are against it. That's fine. They respectfully, in most cases, people are respectful. You know, when they then they say, you know, that's cool. I enjoy the class. I ain't coming back. That's fine, too. But for the majority of the time, people's uh, eyes are open and they know that when they see or hear about 
situations like diversity hires or people trying to hijack, they know that's not what it's all about. And they can tell somebody else that, no. So, what so what I'm, what I'm, what I've gleaned from this conversation and, and from conversations that we've had in the past, you know, the, the concept of DEI, how you get the most out of it, it starts with dialogue on the grassroots level. Ooh, talk about it, Reverend. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, that, sir. that's that's what I got from it, from this conversation, because, you know, it's we can't we first have to be willing to have conversations about what separates us and what makes us different from each other. And hear you know, the stories that everybody has to, you know, talk about their own personal journeys and that's you know let that be you know the first brick that we lay in terms of you know building a foundation of how we get to a place where okay that's that's what you you know this is your story i can accept that here's mine and this is how we kind of come to a common ground where you know we're finding a way to include everybody you know in in the discussion and everybody walk away from it knowing more than they knew when they came in yeah, and, and, it, and it doesn't mean that you have to agree with the person. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. See, a lot of people think that when you talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, is that you have to change your belief system. You know, I'm not changing about certain things. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not. There's yeah. just certain fundamental things about David Felton that's that's just not going to change. Am I setting my ways? You can call it whatever you want to call. I listen to what you got to say, mm-hmm. but I'm just that's just the way I'm cut. That's what I'm. That's a, you know, I appreciate the conversation, but. That's I'm a, you know. So yeah. you mean to tell me you believe that marriage should just between a a, a, a husband and a wife? Absolutely. So you yeah. ain't gonna respect me marrying my man? No, I'm not. I mean, no, no. I'm not respecting that. I'm, res- I'm I respect your choice. I don't agree with it. Right. You do whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? And that's it. And let's go make whatever we're gonna make. But no, that I mean that's not. So I can't come to your house. And, well, I don't know. You ain't coming to my house, no. You know? <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, there's just certain things that. You know, I don't know. You know what I'm saying. I get. I saying, get exactly what you're saying. Yeah, and I'm just saying we we definitely have to to show love, and I I will I will speak the truth in love, and it's the truth mm-hmm. though. I mean, I, I, there's just certain certain things. Uh, yeah, there's just certain things that I I don't know. I just I, I don't know, and I'm just I'm being transparent when I say that. Yeah, even if diversity and equity inclusion ambassador or or teacher or subject matter expert my goal is to help expose help explain help share and help try to uh you know expand the borders of of people to come out of their shells but again you know i'm not going to tell you you know to change your personal constitution in terms of i mean if you just don't if you don't like you know the purple people then you just don't like the purple people i use that example when i'm mm-hmm. in class so <laughs> right. I'm the purple people, so. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, and that's that's a good that's a good way to 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 close it off, you know, to 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 close off the discussion. It was a good one. And I hope that people listening to this that will hear this conversation, you know, who are like me, that felt a way every time the phrase DEI was tossed out. And, you know, hopefully that this discussion gave you a better understanding of how you should view it and how you should, you know, how you should look at it instead of how somebody tells you that you should look at it, you know, knowing it it for yourself. So I definitely have a different, different understanding of it, a different view that, you know, I can appreciate. And it really, it kind of makes me, 
you know, I'm I'm disappointed in how people, you know, try to wield DEI as a certain weapon to get results that, you know, only benefit, you know, certain groups of people. Um, because that's, you know, it's it's it goes against, you know, the idea of what DEI is supposed to be about, you know. Um, so thank you, man. Thank you for having this discussion. Uh, for anybody that is listening to this, you know, if you have questions about, you know, DEI or anything like that, you know, uh, find somebody around you that you trust, you know, or even, you know what I mean? David is around. They can email, you know yeah, they can email me, man. They can email me at dfelton, D-F-E-L-T-O-N. 105 at hotmail.com. I know I got an old school hotmail. I'm gonna yeah. give you one, but this is the one that I that I check. <laughs> Dfelter105 at hotmail.com. Let me know you heard me on uh uncommon. Is it uncommon? Uncommon sense, the uncommon, uncommon sense podcast. Uncommon sense podcast. And um, I'll rap and talk, and I'll be honest with you. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. We can we can rap about it. But I, again, I appreciate the opportunity, and uh it's something I'm passionate about. And uh, and uh, anytime, anything you, you need, Kev, you know, you got me, whatever you need. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. So everybody that's out there listening, please share this episode with your family and your friends. If you happen to be listening on uh, on Apple Podcasts, please give a review um, five stars and leave a review for the podcast. It, it definitely helps. All feedback is good feedback. You know, if you didn't appreciate the discussion, I want to hear about it. If you did appreciate the discussion, what was your favorite part? You know, how do you feel about DEI knowing, you know, something that you didn't possibly know before that you could take into your workplace or just your everyday life? So it's definitely worth, you know, exploring further. And again, David is a great resource. He gave his email address. If you have any questions, he's open and willing to have the discussion with you. So, David, thank you again, man. I appreciate it. And Anytime. Uh, yes, sir. To all the listeners out there, just remember that no matter where you go and no matter what you do, common sense is uncommon. Uncommon.